Welcome to Nurture versus Nurture. Ava and Quincy are school teachers who met on a basketball team in college, had kids, and up and left Baltimore to take jobs in China, Egypt, Myanmar, and Guatemala. Today, we'll learn about the surprises greeting a biracial family living abroad, how a Target store in Pennsylvania can be a highly meditative space, and why it's not essential for parents to acquire fluency in each other's very distinct love languages. Our untranslatable words today include a German term from ornithology that explains the combination of dread, restlessness, and excitement humans feel before embarking on a planned trip, and a Japanese word that offers respect to the shopaholic. First, a disclaimer. What you are about to listen to is not a professional counseling session. Each episode is a one-time conversation, and the advice I offer does not constitute psychological treatment or serve as a substitute for professional diagnosis, intervention, or behavioral health care. In order to protect their privacy, our guests have been given pseudonyms and some personal details have been changed. If you have concerns about your child's well-being or your own, seek out guidance from a medical or mental health professional. Good places to start? your child's pediatrician, the counseling staff at your child's school, and the American Psychological Association's Comprehensive Guide to Finding Resources in Your State. And now, on to the fun. Hi, Dr. Mogul. Hi, Eva. I'm having so much fun looking at your wall there. Uh, this is my virtual classroom. I'm teaching from home to wow. my students over in Myanmar. So how to be creative a little bit, make it a little exciting for my students. <laughs> and Quincy, good morning. It's probably not morning wherever you are. Early afternoon. Early afternoon, yep. Okay, so this is what I know and this is what I would like to know. You have two children. Kendall is your 12-year-old daughter and Jeremiah mm -hmm. is your 8-year-old son. And the reason we call this show Nurture versus Nurture is that there are really a lot of different ways to raise exuberant, aware, confident children. And... I so badly wanted you on this show because you have made some very interesting choices about how and where you are raising your children. You also, in your application, brought up some issues of temperament and who in the family has which sort of temperament and how the teams line up. Yes. <laughs> and you also did bring up the issue of race and race awareness and what your experience mm -hmm. was like in Egypt mm -hmm. compared to in, for example, the United States. Mm -hmm. So let's start, if you can introduce the audience to where you have lived and what your future plan is and what you do in these places that you live. 
Sure. So we are currently stuck here in the U.S., but we started about eight years ago. We made the giant leap to teach overseas in Shenzhen, China. It was actually one of the places we said we would never go because we were so intimidated by the culture. And then all of a sudden we looked at each other about a week in and said, oh, my God, we're living in China. Turned out to be one of our favorite experiences. We spent two years in Shenzhen, China, and then headed over to Egypt, where we lived in Cairo. We spent three years in Cairo, another really amazing experience, despite everyone who has never visited telling us that we shouldn't go. And then we should have been the last two years in Yangon, Myanmar. But unfortunately, with the COVID, we were forced to come home. Well, not really forced, but encouraged to come home last April we were supposed to return, but now there's some political unrest over there. And so now we are headed to Guatemala City, Guatemala, starting end of June, July. And I have three teaching degrees. I've been able to use them all overseas, which has been awesome. So I've done library media. And then for the last two spots, I've been the integration technology specialist at the last two schools. And Quincy, when you are in these countries, tell me the work that you do. So starting in China, I was a classroom teacher, grade three. And in Egypt, I was also grade three. And then I transferred over to the middle school vice principal. And in Myanmar, I was the elementary vice principal. And I'm really excited about this next challenge. In Guatemala, I will be the elementary principal. So I just want to point out a couple of things I've heard already. What you said, Ava, is intimidated about China. Cairo mm. shouldn't go. And mm. then you did these things and learned that common knowledge is often not a good guide to our own experiences. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so you went up against various kinds of prejudice and assumptions and had, it sounds like, a very, very satisfying and exciting experience. I also learned from you how to pronounce Myanmar because we all <laughs> read it all the time, but we don't hear it. So yeah. thank you for that. And then Quincy, hearing about teaching third grade, we have such a big need in general for men in elementary school and for boys to have inspirational men in their lives in addition to their dad or their sports coach or mm -hmm. a random uncle. Can you tell us what you learned about yourself as a third grader when you taught these third grade boys? I think the biggest thing I learned is that I have much more patience than I thought I did. I'm a lot more understanding than I thought I was. And sometimes it's easier for me to relate to these third grade students than it is to relate to a group of adults sometimes. I'm a big kid at heart and I just truly enjoy being with that age group and everything that comes with it. To see the joy on their faces when they learn something new or when they accomplish something that they didn't think they could accomplish is probably the most satisfying part of teaching that age group. And it, it's profound what you're saying, because so many of us 
try to banish our inner child because our inner children can be so angry, so passionate, Mm -hmm. so obstinate. And when you're working with actual children, they lead you into those parts of yourself that you may have lost touch Mm -hmm. with as we get serious as adults and a little tiny bit grim. Mm -hmm. So you use the word joy and how great. Now, very often what happens with teachers is you get a little bit of an occupational hazard, which is you're really good at your jobs, both of you, I expect. Otherwise, you wouldn't keep getting hired in these exotic (laughs) and thrilling places where you teach. And then you get home to your own children and it doesn't go as well. Can you talk about anything I can help you with today? managing and relating to and appreciating and not losing it with a 12-year-old and an (laughs) 8-year-old. Well, actually, we do have a third child. He is 17, but he's, I guess, technically he's not mine. I don't like to say he's not mine because I feel like he's a part of me, but it's Quincy's oldest son. But he doesn't travel with us. He wanted to stay here in the States, which was understandable because he was about 10 or 11 when we left. So that's an interesting question that you pose about being a teacher and a parent, because I always say there's something about being a teacher mom. I can't speak obviously for the dad, but the teacher mom, we don't get a break because when we're at school, my mom hat doesn't come off with my students. My students feel like my own. I fall in love with them like I fell in love with my own kids. I want to protect them and support them and fix their issues. And so I feel actually this past year being home and teaching from home, this is probably the most I have enjoyed being a mother. I know people would might say, oh my God, you can't say that, but I do. The pressures of the rush of the morning of getting out the door and getting everything and getting to school and getting home and the time crunch of getting homework done, getting showers, getting dinner, all that is gone. And so my kids, I'm seeing all day in this little different light and there's no stress of the hustle and bustle of the day. And so, you know, I just always say there's something about being a teacher mom. Like I said, we can't take off our mom hats because our students are like our own. So losing it, yes, I am the one in the family that loses it the most, despite my kids will tell you that daddy is the yeller, but he never yells. (laughs) I'm the one that When he does get that angry, he gets that deeper, I guess, that voice, which is way more intimidating than mom. I can't do this anymore. Losing it. And it's frustrating because often that works. And then all of these Mm -hmm. thoughtful, reasonable, logical, tender things you have said have had no effect at all. And then (laughs) Quincy does a very brief and intense yell statement that is barely Mm -hmm. a yell, and they cooperate. So one piece of perspective on this is that children behave the worst at home and Mm -hmm. often the worst with their moms. And if the dad is a primary caregiver, then it's the worst with their dads. 15-year-old girls and their moms, that tends to be the worst relationship of all. So you have that ahead pretty soon. So your son is 17 and he's Micah. Mm -hmm. 
do you communicate with him so that he can give you some perspective or weigh in on any of the issues you're having with Kendall and Jeremiah? And I'm not talking about gossiping with him about his Mm -hmm. little brother and sister, because that can sow some seeds of competition, but any of his wisdom or perspective, because he is much closer to youth culture, even though he Mm -hmm. hasn't traveled with you, he knows Mm -hmm. 2021 better than the two of you do about teenage years. Is there any form of communication that you have with Micah where you find yourself just thinking, ah, yeah, that's right. That's a good angle. I think with him, the kids adore him. Kendall and Jeremiah just adore him and think he's amazing. He doesn't have to say much, but he leads very much by example. He's a really good student. He's an amazing basketball player. The kids see that and are motivated by that. He doesn't get in trouble at school. He doesn't get trouble outside of school. And he's an incredible big brother. So I think... Micah and Quincy are not the talkers, or is Kendall. They are not the talkers of the family. They all kind of follow by example and sometimes lead by example. It's Jeremiah and I that are the <laughs> The chatterboxes. The chatterboxes. So I don't know, Quincy, if you have maybe more private conversations with Micah. We have our private conversations, but it's normally not about the other two kids. Because he's not traveling with us and not living with us, more of our conversations tend to be about our personal relationship with each other. And it does sound like the leading by example is powerful because Mm -hmm. your goal, and you never need to say this, but you can have it in the back of your mind, would be that both Kendall and Jeremiah in their heads would say, what would Micah do? Mm -hmm. In a situation where they need to be exercising self-restraint or making a choice between something more safe or more dangerous, where they're experiencing peer pressure, they Mm -hmm. have this big guy to look up to. And if they Mm -hmm. idealize him or just hold him in high esteem, far the better. That's a nice dynamic. Tell me what Quincy and Kendall's tendency to talk less, and Ava, your tendency and Jeremiah's tendency to talk more, why is it any kind of problem at all? Because I have had major breakthroughs with Kendall having really long, deep conversations. And I started it a few years ago because for a while there, I was just screaming and flipping out and saying, oh my God, I can't do this. And then I always say, she's my child that has made me grow as a person more than anybody because she has forced me to look inside myself and say, why am I yelling? Why am I annoyed at this? Why am I frustrated at this? And also getting to know Quincy because her and him are so incredibly similar. So I kind of think back to, all right, well, it's been 16 years with Quincy. These were the problems we had in the beginning. This is Kendall now. So what was my approach with Quincy and will it work with Kendall. And so one of the big things is when she does get in her moods, we call her the moods, I give her her space for a little bit, which is what I had to learn to do with Quincy. And then I'll go up and I'll say, can I talk to you now? Can we talk? And we'll just shut the door and it'll just be her and I. And 
most of the time it's me doing a lot of talking. And there was a while there where I thought, oh my God, I think I'm just blabbling. I don't think she's paying attention. But then we're in the unique position where we work with all of her teachers. So we get to know them really well. So they'll say, Kendall came in today and told me that mommy said, and I was like, oh my God, she's listening. All those hour conversations, she's listening. So that is what has worked with me and her. And then with Jeremiah, our personalities are so similar. So I kind of know how he ticks, how he works. I can have a really quick, in-depth conversation with him and he'll just get it. He'll start analyzing. He'll ask me what if questions and he'll carry the conversation further. And I want them to see that men do talk and they do have in-depth conversations and that, you know, I, I use the term that they're scared to talk to daddy, not, of course, of anything major, but because of his immediate reaction is just, oh, it's a girl thing, it's dramatic, or that's because your mom babies you and you don't want to man up and do what you have to do. And I'm like, but but no, I'm teaching them that feelings are okay. You know, As a boy, you can cry, you can be upset. That's okay. We just got to figure out what to do with those emotions afterwards. And then he kind of takes the other approach with suck it up. That's the way I was raised. I was always taught as a boy, you have to be tough. The less emotions you show, the stronger you appear. And so I've kind of gone on the same parenting logic with my kids as well. So I don't see me not talking as much as much as an issue as Ava sees it. A lot of times I'm talking her off the edge when she's losing it or yelling <laughs> at her. So I, I think that <laughs> difference in personalities kind of helps balance us out as far as parenting. And I do see some similarities in Kendall and myself. And I know that, like myself personally, I don't like to talk about a lot of things. I'd rather just sweep them under the rug and forget about it and just move on to the next thing. And I've seen it cause issues in the past with our marriage. And I'd like to think I've gotten better at it, at talking through you things. You have. You have. I'm sure I'm not at the level where she would like me to be, but I'd like <laughs> to think I'm getting better. I give him a tremendous amount of credit because... We are incredibly opposites. I always laugh and say the skin color doesn't even begin to describe our opposites. But we work really hard at those opposites, and they really balance us out. And he has taught me so much. He's taught me, I don't always have to have something to say. I don't always have to have a reaction. And I feel like I'm kind of teaching him back that sometimes you do need to speak up. Sometimes it's not okay to not say anything. So I give him a lot of credit because it's easier for me to kind of not say something than I think it might be harder for him to say something where I feel like my job is a little easier, his is a little more work. It's interesting what you said about marriage therapy via child, that your conversations with Kendall have given you insight into Quincy that have been helpful. The other thing that came to mind for me is that this family has had to make so very many radical adjustments every few years and probably every few minutes in these countries that have so many elements that each different than the last. So as Quincy said, certain things have to be swept under the rug in order to survive. Like, why are these people acting this way? What are their expectations? What are they perceiving about us? Are we reading them correctly or not, it is a huge asset for your children in the future. 
because that kind of emotional multilingualism is what we all need in a world that's changing so quickly. And you are really giving your children wheels to be able to figure out how to make their way around all kinds of obstacles. Another thing you're doing, and I don't know who said this, but I was very taken by it when I read it, that travel leaves you speechless and then gives you stories. Mm. So I'm wondering about the communication in the family. Where were you last year? In 2020, Myanmar. Myanmar is in the news a lot. Yes. Mm -hmm. Were you working virtually or were you in the schools? We were in the school till March of 2020. Then we were online from March until now. So how many months were you in the schools in that country? About seven months. What I'm interested in is how the stories come home at the end of the day. So Mm. the nature of the work that you do, you don't do shift work. You're not Mm -hmm. passing the baton of the parenting and family life. It's one of the wonderful things about teaching that your schedule is similar to the schedule of your children. At dinner and bedtime, with your different styles of communication, how do the stories of the day get shared. For some of the participants, do you have to kind of shut them up so they'll go to sleep and other people draw them out? How does the rhythm work? Quincy, you're shaking your head. I think I want to hear from you right now. And you have a beautiful smile Uh, on. With Jeremiah, you have to kind of shut him up. He'll keep going for days and days and days until you kind of cut him off and give Kendall a chance to speak. How do you shut him up? You kind of tell them, okay, we get what you're saying, but take a break and let's hear from Kendall for a second, then we'll come back to you. And as long as he knows that he's going to get a chance to speak again, he's perfectly fine with that. Mm. And with Kendall, it's kind of like pulling teeth sometimes. You have to ask those probing questions to actually get her to talk about her day for the most part. From what Ava said, it sounds like, and I don't know if you agree with this, that you understand Kendall's nature and her temperament and her style of choosing to express herself or keep things close in. Are you the one who has techniques for drawing her out? Are you comfortable with Jeremiah's filling up so much space? It it sounds like, and you sounded like a classroom teacher as you said that, (laughs) like, we will get back to you, Jeremiah, but let's hear (laughs) from some of the others who aren't raising their hands. (laughs) Right. Now, I think Ava is probably better at probing Kendall to get her to respond more because we're so very similar that if I ask her how her day was and she says it was good, I'm okay with that answer. Where Ava yeah. is wants to hear more. She wants her to describe it more. I actually have a list. I found a list off the internet of questions to ask your kids that are not just, how was your day? So we'll ask them things like, did you color today? What did you color? Because a lot of times they don't remember. So much stuff happens. So they'll say, oh, I had a really good day. We did this in one class. So I'm like, all right, well, what about your other classes? Or they only remember their favorite class. So I'll say, did you use a marker today? 
they'll think, yeah, I did. And then they'll tell us how you used a marker or did you run today? Oh, yeah, I did. Or did you raise your hand today? What did you say when you raised your hand? So there, I actually, it was on our fridge. And the kids really like that when we sit down to have a family dinner. And even if Quincy and I forget to do it, Jeremiah is usually the one that says, mommy, mommy, daddy, you got to ask us those questions. You got to ask me if I used a pencil today. (laughs) (laughs) And Kendall will chime right in. As long as she's in the mood. She could be a chatterbox too, but she has to want to be. You can't make her. So two things here. One is that children often don't want to tell you about their day at school because they already did it. Mm-hmm. And it's not that easy. So Yes, they go to wonderful schools, or in the case of your children, they're in fascinating environments, and it's so stimulating. They're tired, and code switching is speaking in a different dialect depending on who you're talking to, and children have to become masters at it. They speak in a very different way to their teachers or the school administrator. Quincy, you're going to be a principal soon. You will hear that dignity addressed towards you. And then they speak in a different way to the coolest kids, and then a different way to their besties. And then they also at the same time have to tend to the academic work, which is supposed to be pushing them one step forward from where they are. So they're a little bit out of fuel. And this is particularly true of middle schoolers. If you ask them how their day was, it's almost as if, do you want me to relive that combination of horror and majesty (laughs) and secret stuff I don't want to tell you about? So your questions are really good, these very pointed questions. It's also a wonderful technique for praising children. Instead of telling them how wonderful they are or how beautiful they are or how proud you are of them, to be very specific in your praise. Mm -hmm. And when Jeremiah, for example, remembers to put his clothes in the hamper or Kendall helps unload the dishwasher, whatever their responsibilities are, to just stop for a moment and say, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It makes the day go smoothly. And that really works for our kids as well, especially with Kendall. She feeds off of praise. She's a people pleaser. She wants everyone to be happy with her. So I'll say something and I'll be like, right, Quincy? Isn't that great that she just did that and trying to get him to chime in because I know what works really well with her. I'm always pushing him to be more verbal in that sense. I don't want you to work so hard at this for a couple of reasons. One is, and I want to get back to getting children to express themselves Very much like Micah, you can lead by example. So Mm. when you come home and you tell, and they can be brief because the kids are tired, they're hungry, they're bored with you a little bit, but anything amusing or delightful or encouraging that happened in your day, if you tell them about that and then you're quiet, it can very often open the door. It sets off an association from their day. And if you're quiet and patient, they will share in kind. The reason I said I don't want you to work so hard is the right Quincy part. Right, Quincy? 
don't don't you want to say something nice to Kendall now? Because women these days in the world, it's very important for them to feel the affirmation of men, especially their dads. So let her know how great she is. I have a feeling that Quincy and Kendall have a solid affiliation and mutual understanding that's pretty deep. For a 12-year-old girl, Quincy, I don't know how old you are, but a dad who's considerably older. Um, <laughs> do you and Kendall share any interests that Jeremiah and Ava don't? Anything. Can be super shallow, can be deep. Marvel, all mm. the superhero stuff. That's true. The Marvel. <laughs> that is true. This was a the great Marvel, moment. Yeah. <laughs> the Mar- That's true. The Marvel movies. You know, it's odd. I really like the women Marvel superheroes like Captain Marvel, which me and Kendall can watch over and over and over together, which we really enjoy. Okay, when you watch these movies over and over together, tell me where you're sitting, how long it goes on, and whether or not you provide commentary about what you're watching, make observations, or you both just take it in and you're relaxed and fulfilled at the same time. Just set the scene a little bit. Right. So I'm usually laying or sitting on a couch and there's lots of space to sit and she'll come and literally lay on top of me. Like she has to be like on me, touching me. And we don't talk much. Wait, so are you facing in different directions? Your heads are in different directions, the same direction. Is it comfortable for you? It is very comfortable. I like leaning and she'll like lay on me leaning and we're facing the same direction. And she won't move unless I make her move. Mm -hmm. And we don't really talk during the movie. We just watch the movie and and just kind of enjoy it together. So Ava, just look at this scene. What we have here is a 12-year-old girl and her dad. And it's so similar. It's a much more grown-up version of a baby sitting on a parent's lap. And the parent is kind of bouncing the baby. But what they're doing is they're in the Marvel universe together. They are flying. They are leaping. They are solving. And the mirror neurons between them are flying around. The endorphins are rising. The neurochemicals and the hormones that get very out of balance in 12-year-olds are getting balanced by this shared experience with dad. I really needed to hear that. Quincy is such an incredible role model. But in my opinion, of course, you know, there's this one aspect that I think, I don't even know if my kids think it, but I think my kids need that verbal aspect. So I like that. I need to remember that. And even though I said it myself, leading by example, Quincy does. So I think I need to take that advice wholeheartedly and kind of calm down and back up and realize yeah, that so the off, bonding <laughs> the bonding and the connecting are happening yes. they are happening the bonding and i forgot the most important one which is oxytocin and that mm. is that love chemical between parents and babies and it's what allows mothers to sacrifice so much of their sleep, of their energy, to be able to breastfeed babies. The reward you get is this fantastic drug. 
Oxytocin, mm. it's the tend and befriend hormone. It's the love hormone. So yeah. that's what's going on there. Nurture versus nurture. We'll be right back. Even as we're moving out of the super scary phase of this pandemic, parents in my practice are still having trouble getting sustained restorative sleep. The kids are coming in at night or parents are waking up at 3 a.m. and ruminating about everything. Folks are feeling crabby. They are comfort eating, picking fights. Then they feel bad about that. Everyone needs a good night's sleep. A good mattress and perky pillows help. With Helix Sleep, you take a quick quiz that matches your body type and sleep preferences with the best mattress for you. So if you're having sleep troubles and looking for a mattress, take the quiz, order your mattress, and it comes right to your door shipped for free. I have one, and it's great, soft, and supportive. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by Wired Magazine. Just go to helixsleep.com slash nurture, take the two-minute quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress and give you a 10-year warranty. Try the mattress out for 100 nights, risk-free. They'll pick it up for you if you don't love it. For our Nurture versus Nurture listeners, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows at helixsleep.com slash nurture. That's helixsleep.com slash nurture for up to $200 off and two free pillows. April means lots of not-so-fun things, getting fooled, getting rained on, and getting your taxes done. So if you need a positive experience to balance it all out, consider protecting your loved ones by getting life insurance with Policy Genius. Policy Genius can help you compare top insurers in one place. Once you find your best option, the Policy Genius team will set up your new policy for you and answer any questions you have along the way. And you can feel good knowing that your family has financial protection. Getting started is easy. Head to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much coverage you need and compare quotes to find your best price. Since their licensed agents work for you, not the insurance company, their advice is unbiased and not coercive. Policy Genius can promise that you won't leave their website feeling confused or foolish. You can save 50% or more by comparing life insurance quotes and feel good knowing that if something happens, your loved ones will be taken care of. Go to policygenius.com to get started. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right and have it checked off your list. I'm going to poke you and you can say to me, not the least bit true and you're on the wrong track, but I want to try it. Possibly the habit of right Quincy is that there's something for you either professionally, and I think you told me you have three licenses, is that true? Mm-hmm. Or three credentials. Mm-hmm. Is there some challenge intellectually or professionally or personally you are needing and you substitute trying to find ways to improve Quincy for that other little ambition or drive yeah, because I want him to have with Kendall what I don't have with my own dad. Aha. Uh-huh. 
my own dad is involved in my life, but he was that man's man. There was no emotional connection. I played basketball all my life. He was a coach. So when we talked, it was really just about that. He was the financial provider. He put the roof over his head and kind of like that era that that's what you do as a father. That's a good father. So for me, I have said this to Quincy is that I don't feel like I could, I know I could go, but I wouldn't go to my dad for an emotional support conversation. And both of the kids come to me right now for that emotional support. And I think that's really where it all comes down to. And especially with Kendall, I want her to have that relationship that I didn't have. And I don't know if it's more my fault or my dad's fault or both of our, who knows at this point, but I want her to call daddy at 28 years old and complain about her boyfriend or husband or being a mom. I want her to have a problem and confide in him. I want her and Jeremiah as well. I want them both along with Micah. I want all of them to make sure they feel emotionally supported by him. So when we got that little window on what it looks like to watch the Marvel movies together, Quincy and Kendall, that was pretty powerful and actually not that common. So when she's 28 or when she's having problems with a boyfriend, what she is likely to do is to call you to process it and contact her dad to watch a Marvel movie together or to do one of these things that have been laid down during her early teen years. It is unlikely you did that with your dad. I mean, he was a basketball coach and you were a basketball player. Mm -hmm. So there was contact, there was movement, but it also had to do with improving your game and your shots and your positioning. And what Quincy described to me is something so relaxed and fun that the two of you do, and they enter another world. We all need that. We are so much of this world, and it's so distracting, and it's so busy, and it makes us all nervous, and it's kind of crazy, and they get to zone out together. So Ava, how do you get to zone out? With my kids or just myself? With yourself. And then we'll see about with your kids. I go shopping. Okay. (laughs) Do you go online shopping? Both. I'll go in the stores or I'll be on Amazon, my app, for like two hours just scrolling through. Or on TikTok, finding something to buy on Amazon (laughs) or in the stores. Is it a pleasure? And the way we can test this is how you feel when you're done. So some people think my time just got eaten. I filled the whole shopping cart. I bought nothing. It was all that discernment to no end and no satisfaction. And other people think, this is my meditation. I love this. I'm away from everything else. I'm looking at these beautiful images or practical solutions to life problems. And I bought stuff. And when it gets here, I'll probably like it. Which one? Well, it's more of a meditation. When I'm 
on Amazon or something, there could be a fire next to me and I probably wouldn't even know. Or when I go to the stores, Quincy doesn't like to shop. So when he's with me, he's always like hovering right here, rushing me to get done. So when I go by myself, I go up and down the aisles. I stare at each individual thing. I fill my cart and then I get to the end of the store and I'm like, what do I really need? What don't I? What do I like? And I think I spent four hours a couple weeks ago just at Target or three hours, something ridiculous amount of hours. When I came home and he he calls and he's like, are you okay? I was like, I have never been better. I have <laughs> walked up and down these aisles, you know? And so, yeah, it's just a relaxation. I'm out of my head. I'm not thinking about anything. I like to read. So sometimes I'll have a, a book in my ear. So I'm listening to a book and oh. I'm scanning the shelves. And then I buy what I want, buy sometimes what I don't need. And I move on and I'm good. <laughs> so here is a way that that's as beautiful as the Marvel duo, because one of the things you accomplish by doing this is you're away from all those people who are called your family. Yeah. <laughs> that you're getting a break and it fits with the, and I keep going back to this because it was such a great phrase, the right Quincy. It's such a healthy version of your discernment. You love to look at the details and figure out what needs to be fixed, what is just right, what would be fitting, <laughs> and both of you are nodding your heads right now. <laughs> so it's hard to look at Quincy and not, and you were projecting 15 years hence, you're trying to figure out what's going to work between Quincy and Kendall when she's in her 20s. You have a very active mind and it attaches to detail. It sizes things up and figures out solutions. Well, I need to say to you, you have just like kind of given me like my aha moment of Kendall is the daddy's girl. I mean, if that definition is a, a true statement, she never gets mad at him. I even will have Quincy go tell her to do something. Because I'm like, well, she won't be mad at you. She'll be mad at me if I tell her to go do her homework. That's but smart. she'll be mad at yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so there's so many times I can walk into her room or into our own room and he's laying on the bed with her watching a movie or they're laying on the couch watching, you know. So they always have these moments. Even if she just comes walking towards him and it's really hot, he knows she's coming to his lap to sit on his lap. And you're right. I have to know that that is there. It's there. And it looks very different than what I thought it should look like or what it should be. But you're right. That bond is there and she won't have to call him for emotional support. She'll go to him for another way of support. So yeah, you're really right. But you're shedding a new light on this for me because I'm wondering about little Ava. You already mentioned your dad and that mm. between the two of you, there was the wonderful basketball, but some other possibly deeper and more satisfying emotional connection mm -hmm. was something you longed for and didn't find. And absolutely, it's cultural and it's historical and the generations were different. Do you feel that you get the kind of connection, the relaxed tender, non-business-like, non-solving problems, just sweet connection with Quincy that Kendall has? Oh, every day. Great. 
He's very touchy. He's a cuddler. Touchy. What does that mean? You know, <laughs> he, you're like always touchy, touching like... me. Yes, he's yeah. always touchy, touchy. And I'm like, oh my God, leave me alone sometimes. My favorite thing about Quincy is he has allowed me to really be myself sometimes too much of myself. Oh, please elaborate too much of yourself. I'm not convinced. <laughs> I'll go to the bathroom with the door open and I'm like, you want to talk? Yay! Like, I. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll say, oh, my God, I've allowed you way too much comfortability, comfort, comfortness here. Wait, so you're in the bathroom with the door open and you say to him, do you want to talk? So, yeah. again, it's this, we need to talk or is it, <laughs> do you want to talk and laugh together or I want to tell you something that's making me feel good? Is it business you want to talk about? Because no. that's dual assignment, relieving yourself on the toilet, and at the same time <laughs> talking about something serious, multitasking. <laughs> no, it's never serious. And I brought that up because we just came back from Guatemala, actually, and our hotel room, the bathroom was facing the bed. So I was in it the one time, and the door was open, and I was like, oh my God, I love this. I could just look at you, and if I want to tell you something, you're right there. Nice. And he's yelling, close the door, <laughs> close the door. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that's what he says. Oh, my God, you're way too comfortable with me. And I always say, but that's what I love most is that I could do this and be okay. And he has really allowed me to grow because we come from very different backgrounds as far as we were raised. I mean, he was raised, you're quiet, you sweep everything under the rug, and you just move forward. And my family, we tell everybody exactly how we feel. And it's caused a lot of arguments and fights and not speaking. And his family never has that. They always get along. There's never tension. There's never angry. And he's very good with, he'll let me go. I got to get what I get off my chest, whether it's at him, whether it's out with a friend or out at school. And then at some point he'll be like, all right, all right, think about how much farther you want to go. And I'm like, oh, you're Whoa, right. Whoa, wait, literally, Quincy, do you say that sentence? Think about how much farther you want to go? I do. A lot of times she'll get so frustrated at what she's talking about. I'll tell her, okay, well, like, chill out for a second. Like, just take a break. Think about it. Just think about it. And then we'll come back and talk about it. And sometimes she wants to just keep going. But there are more times recently she will kind of stop and say, you know what? You're right. I don't have to think about that anymore or I am going to just let that go. So she's grown in that aspect where before she would, I mean, she would talk me into the wee hours of the night, just hammering <laughs> literally. down her point. Literally. 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 Yeah. <laughs> literally. Having a hard time seeing the other person or the other side of the story mm. or the problem. And she's come a long way with trying to see things from another's perspective. And it, it sounds like another kind of progress that you've made, Ava, is to not feel as much urgency to solve something. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. in the shopping, Amazon or in the store, you do get so many options. And for some people, that's overwhelming. It's the last thing they want to do. They get just, it's very frustrating making all those choices. And again, it's the discernment in an atmosphere that is very fitting for that. In these emotional conversations, we get so flooded that the urgency to solve it feels almost irresistible. And Quincy, it sounds like one of the things you're able to do from your background is 
contain and make some walls, just like that bathroom door in the hotel in Guatemala. Like for the bathroom, Ava, maybe we'll shut it. And then when you're done, we can take up this conversation. Mm-hmm. What else? Go ahead, Ava. Were you about to say something? No, no I was listening for once. Uh, I honestly just lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> just recently, we're trying to decide on when we're going to Guatemala for good. And I mean, it's every day. She's, what day are you leaving? Pick a day, pick a day. And she expects me to decide right there on the moment. When there are all these other factors I'm thinking about, for instance, Micah has AAU basketball and I want to be here in the States to see his basketball games. Yes. And, but she expects me to make a decision right there on the spot about when we're going to leave for Guatemala. And I can't make that decision because I don't know his future schedule. And for me, because we've been stuck here for so long and we've been living with our families, I'm craving my own space and getting my life back. We were teased for so long that each month we were supposed to go back to Myanmar. We were supposed to go back in August. Up, oh, airports closed in Myanmar, supposed to go back in September. Wow. Closed, now it's closed. And I want to be here for Micah's games as well. I didn't get to see any of the regular season because they only allowed two tickets. But I just need a number. I need a day. I need to, so that I can know that it comes to an end at some point, where is he's just like, he might be like, yeah, let's go tomorrow. And I'm like, oh my God, no. I I have seven, again, I have to fix 700 things. I have to do 700 things. I got to go to Target four more times and walk around before we go because there's no <laughs> Target. I guess it comes down to that fixing, needing to know thing. It also is the difference between family decision-making and the school day. So in school, whatever grade you're teaching, so Let's take the example of little kids. There's circle time, and then we talk about what day of the week it is and maybe what the weather is. It's very structured because the little minds have just the level of cognitive development to manage through the day without their mommy and daddy and cooperating with the rules if it's really structured. I often tell parents to set aside time to worry instead of worrying through the entire day. So you can plan for 10 or 15 minutes of worry one day a week or every day at a certain time. You have a really large decision coming up. You are missing a piece of information that you need, which is Micah's games. And for you, Ava, it is 700 things. And for you, Quincy, it's one. How and when do you expect to get that information? I'm hoping to get it in the next week or two. He has told us that he has a game or a tournament coming up in two weeks and that we should have a schedule by then. And how does he get that information? From his coaches. So he's waiting for his coaches to let him know. And this is very COVID typical right now where all schedules are so fluid. Mm -hmm. We don't know what day of the week Mm -hmm. it is. Every day is blurs day. It's very confusing. And then Mm -hmm. you are making an international move. So Team Ava, absolutely there are 700 things. And that target is essential because there's not going to be one just like it in Guatemala. And Team Quincy That game and your son's opportunity to have 
his dad and stepmother there to watch him is very important. Is it possible, Ava, to wait to even think further about this for two weeks? To literally not think about it? And you may get this information far sooner than two weeks from now, but it sounds like the outside limit is possibly going to be two weeks. I don't know. Talk about it. Uh, I mean, I won't have a choice. I know he's not going to make a decision until we get this schedule. But the other part of me is I want to be here too. I don't want to miss the games. So I'm fine staying. I just need to know when I'm going. And the funny part is I could actually make a decision and just tell her the latest possible Mm -hmm. date that we have to leave. I could say we're leaving July 15th because we have to be in Guatemala by July 17th. But I won't do that because I know that it may upset her because it could be later than when she wants to leave. It's later than she wants to leave. Clearly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Continue. Mm -hmm. So I'm purposely not giving her that date because I know that it could possibly upset you. Not possibly. I know that it is going to upset you. But I don't know if that's actually going to be the date because he could have a game late June and then we can leave right after that game. So that's why I'm still leaving it open. And I've explained this to you and you keep pressuring me. (laughs) (laughs) And you're crossing your fingers, gritting your teeth and closing your eyes a little bit about the date. You have told her, Ava, how is July 15th with you right now? Yes, I've said mid-July. And she doesn't really like that date. She likes, (laughs) I don't know, April 1st would be a preferred date Mm -hmm. for her right now. The sooner the better. (laughs) And I'm more of a, let's wait and see how things turn out. But see, he won't tell me stuff because he's afraid of my reaction. Yes. Which I understand because I have exploded and I do get, and sometimes I have to say to him, all right, if you tell me, I'm just going to listen. I'm not, do you want me to say anything? Do you want me to talk or do you want me not to say anything? And that I think is in the back of my head where I'm like, I think he knows when we're going to go, but he doesn't want to tell me. And I don't make it easy either because anytime somebody says, when are you guys going? I do the whole when are we going, Quincy? You know, like oh, the, this the, is like the right Quincy thing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. When it are is. we going, it is. sir? Who knows <laughs> and is keeping it from me because he's afraid of the consequences. Exactly. He does know that I'm fine staying because of Micah. He knows that I'm dying to see him play in person, and I'm not going to take number one spot from his mom, but I'm the second biggest supporter or third after his mom and dad. He does know that I'm fine staying because Micah's the reason. But like I said, for me, it's just easier to have a number a day. It just helps me with my planning. I'm packing for my kids and packing for myself, and we're furnishing a home when we get there. So it just, it helps me with my planning But really, at the end of the day, I know it's really not a big of a deal. Actually, going to Guatemala and coming back, I said it made it feel more like we're getting closer. So I have a little more sense of ease because we lived in this unknown for almost a year now. And I'm not good with the unknown. I like to know and I like to have a plan. Actually, you are good with the unknown because this is the very first thing you told me We were intimidated about going to China. Uh, People said we shouldn't mm -hmm. go to Cairo. And you are so much more flexible than you position yourself to be. Mm. And you've got Quincy a little bit tongue-tied 
because he's afraid of your reaction. So it seems like he's keeping things from you when, in fact, these are things he doesn't know yet. One thing you just said is you're fine with waiting because Micah's games are really important to you. Quincy, do you know that, that she's fine with waiting? Do you believe it? That's the thing. I don't know if I truly believe it. I know she loves him and she is dying to see his games. But I also know that she is dying to get out of the U.S. and get into her own space and kind of start her life all over again. She kind of feels, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like she's being held back living with her parents and is not able to do the things she wants to do as freely as she would like to do them. And I mean, I can't blame her. I mean... I know that's very important to her. And which is more important to the two of you? To be able to escape the hostage crisis of living with your parents or to be able to commit to waiting until Micah's game is scheduled and be able to see him play? I genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, I mean, we were already planning our December break, our spring break, you know, we're already planning to be back home for all of those, for his senior night game, for his graduation. We're going to come home in December because we have a huge break. I genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, have no problem staying to see his games and to allow Quincy to have that time with him that he doesn't get. And the other two kids the time that we don't get with him because we're overseas. This has been a huge blessing being home because we have seen him more in the last year because we travel so much. So that part of it, I can't say I'm going to move home for that. But I've always said that was Quincy's decision. If he wanted to come home full time, I would support that 100%. But we would have our own house. So that Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, want to see all of those games, want to be as involved as I possibly can. I want our other two kids to be involved. I want Quincy involved. I genuinely do. But I'm not going to lie and say that I also really want to get back. So yes, it's probably more of a struggle for me because I desperately Mm -hmm. wanting to get back, but I desperately do want to see, you know, I wish I had the best of both worlds where I can just fly back and forth, see all the games, go back, see all the games, (laughs) go back. So you didn't answer the question, which is more important? I know for me, which is more important. And for me, it's being here to see his games. No, I I said that's most important to me. I do want to be here. She did. I really do. She said it, but I heard a third thing, which is not just to be back, but to be out. So between now and July 15th is quite a long time. You are both and the two children living with your parents, Ava? We go back and forth between my in-laws and here. And he is normally the one that needs that space more. But our family homes, the dynamic is very, very different. And and this comes back to our upbringing. At my in-laws, you know, we come and go as we, they kind of treat us like we're adults. We're going away for the weekend. We're going here. Okay, bye, see ya. My mom is mom guilting me and mom shaming me because she's like, well, I'm only going to see you for a little time. Do you really, you know... I guess if we lived in our own space, 
while we were here during COVID, I wouldn't be in a rush to get I out. I think so too. I'm actually, yeah, I'm, I'm just in a rush to get out of my own home. Yes, you are. And I love my parents. Please, I, please don't get me wrong where my parents are fantastic. They're the best grandparents. But there's a different dynamic in my house where I guess I feel like I'm a teenager again and I have to explain when I go to run an errand or if we go to my in-laws, my mom gets upset because she wants me to be at her house and she wants the kids to be at her house. And Quincy doesn't get that from his side. His side is just like, yep, see you later. Great. So happy you guys are here. You'll come back. No big deal. Whereas I don't get that on my end. Nurture versus nurture. We'll be right back. I love glasses, but glasses are really expensive. And Warby Parker is a new concept in eyewear. The company was founded with a rebellious spirit and a lofty goal to create boutique quality eyewear at a revolutionary price point. Warby Parker provides exceptional vision care online and in stores. They offer eyeglasses, including progressives, sunglasses, eye exams, and contact lenses. The glasses start at $95, including prescription lenses. You take a quiz and then select from a large assortment of beautiful frames. I ordered the Haskell, Felix, and Chamberlain acetate crystal frames because I decided it was time to see what clear crystal frames were like. Warby Parker sends you a home try-on kit with Five pairs of glasses that you try for free for five days. There's no obligation to buy. The frames ship free and include a prepaid return shipping label. That's five pairs of glasses at home for free at warbyparker.com slash nurture. So a much bigger challenge than Kendall or Jeremiah is you and your mom right now. And if it is until July 15th, figuring out how to manage the voice inside you that gets really annoyed but also feels judged. So adults with their own children, and you've got a preteen here, which just adds to the drama of it, living with their parents, either hear or imagine all kinds of judgment and need. So while we have the oxytocin between Quincy and Kendall watching Marvel movies, you and your mom are playing guilt pong a little bit where she says, why do you have to go over (laughs) there to those people and live with them? And you're thinking, honey, I would like to just live with them until July if we have to stay (laughs) that long. And then you're feeling guilty too because she can so easily share two things with you, her needs, There's a reason that you have lived in China and Egypt. You have gotten really far away. Super smart. Everybody should do it, (laughs) at least some of the time, to break certain generational habits. And I am not at all saying breaking generational ties. But you said it so well, you become a teenager in relation to mom's judgment, which she can't help doing. 
women with their moms, it's really, it can be a formula for disaster, especially when you do have a preteen daughter that you don't relate to quite as smoothly as your son. So we have three generation of stuff going on here. If you stay until July 15th, I want you to do a tremendous amount of shopping. <laughs> oh my God! No, don't no, tell no, Quincy. No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. She <laughs> no, doesn't no, have no, to no, spend no. a tremendous amount of money. Thank you. I want but her. But she will. <laughs> to have and so we're going to give her a budget. She's going to figure it out. But I want you to have space. You need space. This is the bathroom door with your mom. Yeah. You are working. You're raising these two children. The two of you are constantly making minute adjustments to your marriage that's working really well. This other element and the desire to flee it is part of what gives you that impetus to get going, to just provision up and get yourselves to Guatemala. Yeah, that's it. It's just the guilt and the judgment and also putting myself in her own shoes. I mean, when my kids are grown, if I get the opportunity to have them in my home for a year, I want them in my home for a year. So I do know where she comes from. And we've always had an amazing relationship. And this is testing it. And we've never yes. had a test. And in my mind, I don't want it to keep going because I don't want it to be ruined in any way or or have any negative feelings or bad blood when I leave. I want us to be exact there. And whoa, 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 whoa. You want it to be exactly what? The way it's been. Yep. Okay. So that cannot be the goal because this is too hard. And mm. your relationship with your mother is as flexible and resilient and has the capacity to repair as much as the way this family adjusts to the cultures of other countries. So yeah. you had the experience of a probably unusually harmonious relationship with your mom, and you're finally mm -hmm. getting to be a teenager. <laughs> that actually makes perfect sense. But she always said she never got in trouble. It's a teenager, her and her mom yep. were like best friends, and that makes perfect sense. Yep. Yeah. So yay, I'm glad <laughs> this is happening. For a lot of reasons, we're cracking the idealization and some of the suppression of feelings and judgment that went on between you and your mom. And now you know what it's like to be the kind of 12-year-old that Kendall is because mm. you didn't yeah. do that before. And now you get to do it. And maybe we're going to shift the July 15th to August 15th if the coach oh. says that's when the games <laughs> are going to happen. And you are going to go get to go through a developmental phase that will be of so much value when Jeremiah becomes a teenager and is not the little chatterbox sweetheart that he is now, goes into his room with a sour look on his face and slams the door. That is the end of our time today. Thank you both so much for sharing your stories with us. It has been an honor to meet you both and to talk to you. You the same. Thank you so much for having us. This was really enlightening. Yes, thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Safe travels, good travels whenever it starts. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. Today, we explored physical, emotional, and imaginary travel as paths towards enlightenment. 
In her application to be on this podcast, Ava talked about race and respect. Quote, I come from a small, very, very white town. And when we first started dating, people would ask if my boyfriend, Quincy, was a drug dealer or if he even had a job. Even though I'm in the Black world, I lived outside of it and things would happen to Black people and I would think, oh my God, I'm so sad for those children. I'm so sad for those families. And I guess my white privilege stopped me from realizing that that is my family. That could happen to my family. That could happen to my children. Being overseas has been really eye-opening. We get to be a family that just is. We don't have to be a black and white family. We don't have to be a biracial family. Overseas, we're just Americans, and we've been super welcomed in all three countries where we've lived. Living in Egypt and being surrounded by women who choose to wear the burqas and veils and the long outfits, my children can see that and not think twice or not stare or not wonder who they are and why they're like that. They have Muslim friends. They have Egyptian friends. Their hearts are just open. And that's been my goal as a parent now more than ever, end quote. Committing to travel isn't easy. It's easier to create obstacles. In our conversation, we first framed the tension about Ava's desire to set a precise departure date for Guatemala as stemming from her frustration about living as an adult in her childhood home versus Quincy's commitment to stay in the States long enough to attend Micah's basketball tournament. Here's another perspective. Even these seasoned travelers experience Zuckanroy, Z-U-G-U-N-R-U-H-E, a German word for migration anxiety, coined in the 18th century and now used by wildlife biologists around the world. When birds are on the brink of moving from their home territory, they exhibit both sleeplessness and hyperactivity. The Swedes have a word for this too, resfeber, R-E-S-F-E-B-E-R. It describes the restlessness before a journey begins, when anxiety and happy anticipation are tangled together. Even everyday small journeys can trigger a frantic dance, like when, quote, I have nothing to wear, end quote, is a stand-in for social anxiety before a party. Speaking of things to wear, it's easy to see hours spent shopping online or wandering the aisles in Target as an affliction or addiction or late-stage capitalist mind control. But let's look at this from another angle, too. Here's Ava. She spends all day teaching kids, some of whom call her mommy, and then comes home to kids, all of whom call her mommy. The Japanese understand that there's no need to beat yourself up over indulging in the art of shopping, selecting, and acquiring items you hope to love now or in the future. Sundoku. T-S-U-N-D-O-K-U, is a Japanese slang term first used in the Meiji era at the turn of the century. It means buying books and not reading them, letting them pile up on the nightstand. It's also used to refer to books ready for reading later when they're on a bookshelf. And now for love languages. Many times in therapy, a parent will say some version of this to me. I want to make sure my child doesn't suffer the way I did in my childhood. For example, when my dad got so angry or didn't pay attention to me or wasn't around much, and my mom, she didn't do anything about it. I respond, 
Yes, you learn from this, but first consider that your child has a whole different family. For example, Ava wants Quincy to have a deeper connection with Kendall than she had with her own dad, an emotional connection. So let's look at Quincy and Kendall's relationship afresh. They both love watching Marvel movies over and over and over again. He's also a devoted armchair traveling companion to his daughter. Together, relaxing on the couch for hours and hours and hours, they both cherish and admire a woman superhero and join her in her universe. And that's it for this season of Nurture vs. Nurture. What a pleasure it's been. If you don't know the Joni Mitchell song, Urge for Going, have a listen. It's beauty. And then plan your next trip with your family. <laughs> <laughs>